At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You know, I love that opening so much because I get to watch my guest in the green room here smiles and go, oh, gosh, you're talking about me. Of course, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the other guests, not you. Uh, Doug Crow, welcome to the Author Your Brand Show, You're where you're going to want to take notes. And today we've got a guest on. He's an award-winning author, teacher, trainer, very experienced as a mediator. And his work carries on from international work to helping people resolve deep interpersonal ideological conflicts to training life inmates to be peacekeepers and mediators in maximum security prisons. Woof. Um, his fourth book, De-Escalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less, that's not with a shiv, uh, was published by Beyond Word Publishing in September 2017. It's now in four languages and it's second printing. He's a co-author, co-founder of Prison of Peace and creator of the Null Effect Labeling System. In 2012, he was honored by California Lawyer Magazine as California's Attorney of the Year. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show today, Douglas Knoll, which has Hi, a wonderful first name, of course. We love oh, that. Back to you, Doug. I'm doing well. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. Good. So we got like 20, 25 minutes to chit chat about your amazing background, your book, whatnot. But why should people listen to us today? Because I'm going to show you how to stop all fights and arguments in your life forever with three simple steps. So stay tuned steps. because you're going to learn how to do that. All right. I was just going to Dale Carnegie, like, just don't start one. It's just like, you know, but anyway, I want to hear your <laughs> method. Before we get into that method, though, I want to hear more about how you got into this work, working in prisons with inmates. That sounds fascinating. How did you get involved with that? Um, my colleague and partner, Laurel Copper, received a letter from a woman who was serving a life sentence in the largest, most violent women's prison in the world, yes. which at that time was Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchilla, California, back in 2009. Okay. And since I live about an hour from the prison uh, and Laurel lives down in Los Angeles, she called me and yeah. read the letter to me and said, what do you think? And I said, I think we should do this. Yeah. So it took us about six months to get permission to start. But we started in April of 2010 with 15 women, all serving mm -hmm. life sentences or long-term sentences. Yeah. And that's how Prison of Peace began. And we designed the curriculum for inmates, people who are incarcerated with, an, with our understanding that they probably had no skills at all. And yeah. so we started from ground zero and over the course, in those days it was compressed into about a 16 week course. Mm -hmm. Today it's much longer. Yeah. We taught them over 200 skills in 16 weeks to turn them from nothing to powerful peacemakers and mediators. And two and a half years later, we got a letter from the warden saying that the prison had completely quieted down. It could no longer be considered a violent prison. Why isn't this like worldwide? Needs well, we're working on it. We got, we got 15 prisons in California, a prison in Connecticut, 14 prisons in Greece, a prison in Italy. Great. And we've got, and it's slowly, slowly expanding. We, during the pandemic, of course, we were shut out of in-person programming yeah. for our safety and for the safety of the people sure. inside. Yeah. And we took the, took, took the time. We spent a million dollars and video and filmed our entire we hired a hollywood film crew and wow. filmed our entire curriculum and now it's available on blu-ray disc to mm. any institution in the world and um we have a there's a fee involved twenty five thousand dollars but uh yeah. that comes with training we teach you how to use it right and you can now if, if people have a 
local jurisdiction here in the United States or even overseas, mm-hmm. we can show you how to start prison of peace at a at a really low cost compared to what we could have done before 2019. Yeah. Uh, have you ever, did they give you any data on what it, what it saved them in terms of, you know? No, we know, we know it's significant because, uh, for example, in California, there's a, what's known as a 115 write-up. It's like getting rid up for a behavioral problem or, a, yeah. and every 115 costs the prison somewhere between $1,500 and $2,500 just to go. process that thing. And we know yeah. that in the prisons or the yards where we have instituted prison of peace, fights and arguments have dropped precipitously and the number of 115s issued have dropped. And so our, although it's, it hasn't been measured and really can't be measured, our subjective qualitative data suggests that there's been a sub- substantial cost savings where where wow. our program has been implemented. Even even the quantitative stuff, right? I mean, 2,500 bucks, I mean, you know, it is you know, take 10 violent incidents off your thing for a year and it pays for itself. That's right. Right away. Well, here's the other statistic that's yeah. really interesting. We've had over 6,000 of our students uh, released on parole yeah. in California. Not one of them has reoffended. And, and if the ones that didn't take it, what are the odds of recidivism there? Is it-, it varies uh, uh, yeah. from from three, three or four percent all the way up to 80 percent. Yeah. Depends yeah. on your age, your crime, how you're released. But but sure. the point is that none of our none of our students have ever reoffended. Wow. I'm just so happy <laughs> and impressed that there's something mm-hmm. like this, because all you know, all we hear is bad news out there. Right. So it's good. To right. have this good news stuff to go with it. No, this is really powerful work. And like I said, it's we're international now and it's growing and we hope in 2023 and 2024, it's going to grow exponentially. Sure. It's not terrific. Um, so, I, you know, you've got a little gray hair like me, so this isn't the only thing you do. What, is the, <laughs> what else have you been doing besides this? Well, as you said, I'm a, I'm a mediator, professional right. mediator. I'm a lawyer turned peacemaker. I was a trial mm-hmm. lawyer for 22 years before I yeah. went back to school and earned my master's degree in peacemaking and complex studies. Mm-hmm. Became a mediator. I'm an also, also an arbitrator with the American Arbitration Association. Mm-hmm. I'm an adjunct law professor at, uh, at the, Pepper, the Caruso School of Law at Pepperdine University, where yeah. I teach a course in decision making under conflict. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm an author and I do a lot of consulting and teaching and training. I teach right. leadership empathy. How, how, as leaders, can you become the leader that everyone wants to follow? Mm-hmm. And I teach leaders the skills n- that are necessary for that to happen. Wow. Who, um, who do you admire most as a leader? That's a great question. Uh, more. And that, and, you know, that's a question that I always ask my students. Tell me who, who and, yeah. and, and, right. like, and like my students, there is nobody that I can name that I really admire as a leader. Um, I've studied a lot of leaders. I'm sure you have, right? And I don't, and I really don't find any that I, that are inspiring to me. Interestingly enough. That's now I'm sad again. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, all it does is tells us that there's a gap in skills between what it takes to be a brilliant leader and an effective leader and what people are doing right now. There's just, it's just a skill gap. And, And I'm determined to fill that skill gap. It's the number one topic for you know consultants, consultants in, in the business space. I know leadership right. is the number one keynote topic, right? Um, but the fact that someone like with your credentials can't name one person quickly or at all, Not easily. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the 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 skills that are the the they're just leaders, human beings lack some really fundamental skills, and it's mm-hmm. just as a result of our culture, our upbringing, and our educational system. We're not taught empathy. 
And empathy is a skill that has to be learned and taught. We're not taught how to listen. And very few people are, are good critical thinkers today and good decision right. makers. And those are all those those three skills or four skills are the foundation of all leadership. Right. And, and I think with the empathy goes that 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 cognitive, you know, dissidence and bias we all have when we're talking to other people. We don't remove our own, you know, that's right. we haven't learned how to listen. Essentially, yeah. we have not learned how to listen to emotions. Right. And when I talk about stopping fights and arguments forever, yeah. that's what we're talking about. And, and imagine being a leader where there is no more conflict in your organization. Imagine being a leader where you, you have loyalty and trust and integrity and productivity mm -hmm. and creativity from every single person in your organization because you know how to listen people into existence. That's the leader that everyone wants to follow. Right. Does it work for like small organizations, like a couple? This is a foundational skill of life. It works for everyone. You want to if you've got if you're a young couple with young children, you want to stop your tantrums from your two and three year olds. Learn yeah. these skills. Every parent that's ever learned and applied these skills reports that their children stop tantrums in about three or four months. Okay, of constant get this book. How about with dogs? Does it work with dogs? Absolutely. Oh my dogs gosh. Dogs love dogs. Dogs love to be ethically, but they don't know what you're talking about. They just love the attention. <laughs> okay. I got a little border collie. I got a 16-month-old border collie female, and she just loves she loves it when I have it. Yeah, we've got a one-year-old newish puppy, and it's like you know, disturbing sleep. All right. Well, this is this is good news. I I normally say the big zinger for the end, but I'm so curious now about the how do you calm calm an angry person forever, or however you phrase it. But let's let's yeah, it's a three-step process. Yeah, this is all based on brain science too, by the way. Um, I discovered this in 2005 in a very difficult conflict that I was called in to mediate and I had nothing, no tools at my disposal. And I just had an epiphany about this. Listen to the emotions, not the words. And then in 2007, a brain scanning study came out of Matthew Lieberman's lab at UCLA that demonstrated why this skill called affect labeling works. And it shows exactly what happens in the brain when you do this. It goes, it's counter-normative and it's counterintuitive. It goes against everything we think we know about listening, which wow. is why it's so fascinating. So the steps to this, number one, you're confronted with an upset, angry, emotional person. Mm -hmm. The first step is to learn how to ignore their words. You absolutely are not going to listen to what they say. This does not mean that you're ignoring the person. Right, it just right. means that you're going to ignore their words. You've heard it all before. There's no mm -hmm. new news here. And for the next 90 seconds, you can afford to make everything that's coming out of their mouth white noise. Yeah, That's step number one. And when you're able to do that, you stop yourself from getting triggered because they're screaming at you. Yes. Number two, you free up bandwidth to do steps two and three. Okay. So number one, learn how to ignore the words. Just make it noise. No meaning whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Second step, you're going to read this person's emotional data fields. Yeah. What we are not taught is that emotions are data and can be read just like numbers on a spreadsheet. Hmm. And our brain has the innate ability to do this. It goes back, oh, it goes right. into, I could go into a long talk, if you were my graduate class, about evolutionary biology and how this skill was developed over millions of years from yeah. our predecessors. Uh, and, we and we have this innate ability to read the emotional data that other people are projecting. Mm -hmm. And we can do it quickly and efficiently and effortlessly. And all we have to learn how to do is pay attention. Mm -hmm. So we're going to learn how to read another person's data, their emotions. Okay. And then the third step, and this is the secret sauce, we're going to reflect back 
that person's emotions with a simple use statement. In other words, we're going to tell somebody what they're feeling. So mm -hmm. I would say something like, so Doug, man, you are really pissed off. You're frustrated. You're angry. You don't feel like you're being listened to. You don't feel like you're being heard. You're being ignored. And you don't feel appreciated or supported. And you're really worried and anxious. And you know, it's a little embarrassing because all these people are doing all this crazy stuff around you and you feel yeah. a little humiliated and you're sad because you want everybody to be great and connected and that connection just doesn't exist. And you feel completely abandoned and betrayed. And everything's just really, really making you angry. Yeah. And you do that, yeah. You felt, uh, even though you're not angry, you felt the right, shit. Right, right. I'm just, uh -huh. I'm projecting the a past conversation. Yeah, go ahead. That's right. So you tell somebody what they're feeling using a use statement. You're not using active listening. You're not saying mm -hmm. what I think you're feeling is X. That active listening crap has never worked. It never will work. And you just stop doing it. I don't right. know why it's still taught, but it is. It, and and it does not work. You just tell somebody what they're feeling. And you do this until you get four involuntary responses. Number one, they're going to nod their head. Yeah. Number two, they're going to say exactly or yeah or yeah. Number three, they're going to drop their shoulders. And number four, they're going to exhale in relief. <sighs> wow. You finally get me. And when you've done that, you have de-escalated them. It takes anywhere between 60 and 90 seconds. I don't care how angry you are. Because the beauty of it is every human brain on the planet is hardwired for this. Mm -hmm. and, and an angry person cannot stop the de-escalation process. Right. They can't stop it because it's all unconscious automa mm -hmm. automatic mm -hmm. processing. And that's what Lieberman's study showed. Neat. And this is a core skill that we start. We taught. I taught before Prison of Peace and we teach it in Prison of Peace. It's the very first skill we teach. And it's the foundation of everything that we teach in our car incarcerated population. Mm -hmm. And I've got tens of thousands of people outside of prison, these skills from Amazing. school teachers to law enforcement, to corporate leaders, CEOs, C-level people, um, to mediators and judges, lawyers, doctors, yeah. physicians, anybody dealing with people where you're dealing with an intense emotional situations, mm -hmm. your go-to skill. Wow. What was the one thing you just said about um, a use statement, there's a bad way and a right way to do it. It sounded very similar. Okay, listen to this. How does it just tell me what it feels like? And for those listening, just think about how it yeah. feels. If I say, oh, what I think you're feeling is anger. I, I, it seems to me and it looks to me like you're really angry. Okay. okay. Now compare it to, man, you are really pissed off and angry. What's you're the right? Difference? Okay. I see that. I, I can feel well, a difference, right? It's a huge difference. Because that first version is like, you're a wacko. Right. And the second version is like, I get you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And yet in therapy and me and mediation, yeah. everybody's active listening classes, everybody teaches I statements. This is all based on a misunderstanding of the work of psychologist Thomas Gordon back in 1956. He's the one that coined the term active listening. And his work was completely misinterpreted. Wow. And it's been perverted ever since. And I mm -hmm. learned active listening in my master's, in my graduate studies, mid-career, when I went mm -hmm. back to school, that's what I was taught. And it did not work. So right. I had to find something, I had to create something different that did work. Interesting. And I get paid, I get paid a lot of money yeah. to go into high-powered conflicts to calm people down. And I've got to have something that will work the first time, every time without fail. Neat. Well, you don't have to mention names, but I'm curious, what was the, you said there was a big deal you're doing that was the inspiration for this? 
Well, it, 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 interestingly, it was a really small case involving a divorced couple. Yeah. They were they had spent $50,000 each in attorney's fees on an $18,000 problem. And classic, right? Typical, yeah. Yeah. Classic. And the attorneys always make the money. That's right. And and the attorneys were fed up with them and said Noel solved this problem. Yeah. And this was in Santa Barbara, California. So I get them in, they present as very nicely dressed upper middle class people, sure, look very sure. professional. Yeah. I started introduced myself. We start I started talking. I stopped. And the media, the moment I started top, they both leapt up and started pointing fingers at each other and screaming vile insults and, and cursing each other out and just yeah. vile language. And I just sat there. I go, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what I was going to do. And the thought came to me, listen to the emotions. So this is so this is what happened. Yeah. I started with Susan and I said, Susan, I stop. Sit down, Susan. John's going to tell a story. I don't want you to tell me what his story is. I want you to tell me what he's feeling. Mm. And it took her a while to get into it. Yeah. But once she started getting it, John completely calmed down. And Susan went from feeling disempowered and victimized to be completely empowered. Amazing. She got through. We've switched roles. John, John then listened to her story and told her what she was feeling through her story. When they were all done, dead silence. John puts his face in his hands and starts to sob. Oh. I mean, deep racking sobs for about three or four minutes. Push oh. the Kleenex box over, he blows his nose, wipes his eyes, yeah. looks up across yeah. the table and says, that's the first time you've listened to me in 25 years. And they settled the case in five minutes, got up, walked out, holding hands and had lunch with each other. Four hours before, had there been knives on the table, there would have been blood on the floor. So and that's so when awesome. I realized I had discovered something quite something amazing. Yeah. And it still costs 110 or whatever to, to solve the $18,000 problem. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. What's been the toughest situation that, that, you know, it didn't happen in 90 seconds. It took longer. Was it been one? Well, um, you know, the, the, the work that I do, I get called into all kinds of different conflicts. So sometimes sure. they're very complex business problems. Sometimes they're complex personal problems. Um, and what I've learned is that, I can calm somebody down, but they're not going to stay calm down. They're going to re-escalate. Yeah. So my work is iterating the process. We de-escalate, then we problem solve. We de-escalate, okay. and then we problem solve. We just slowly move the parties together until we finally get to agreement and hopefully reconciliation yeah. and, the, and the problem is solved. And the difficulty, the, the only difficulty that's presented is how badly do people want peace? If yeah. they don't want peace because they're hell-bent on vengeance, then it takes longer and it takes more work. But if they really do want peace, they just don't know how to get there, then the the, the, the process goes a lot faster. Any chance you could talk to some heads of state? They're not interested. Right. No, they're not. I know. Um, and same thing with politicians. Yeah. You know, I write a lot about political polarization and how to have a calm conversation with the politically polarized. Yeah. You have to understand that, especially in politics, the politicians get elected on fear. Yeah. They get elected on scaring the base. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so they have no interest in peace. They have no interest in collaboration. They have no interest in finding common ground with people that they disagree with. They have no interest in that. Yeah. And as a result, they have no interest in learning these skills. Yeah. I, I, I only watched part of the uh, state of the union. I'm like, okay, that's, that's enough. It's matter. And I'm not, Either way, there are you know people yelling on both sides like, "Oh, you guys, 
have no interest in doing anything. Right. That yeah. was demonstrated last night. Yeah, yeah, very true. Well, it's crazy. If if we want if we want to end political polarization, it's it's up to us to end it. We have to learn how to listen to each other. Right. right. And we have to learn how to how to find common ground, even though we may have very sharp disagreements over some issues. If we listen mm -hmm. to each other, we'll find that we have far more in common than we have yeah. indifference. Yeah, of course. Well, a matter of fact, speaking politically, one of my friends um, wrote a book called The Common Sense 80%, and he did a pretty light analysis. But he said, you know, I could put anybody in a room, no matter what their political affiliation is, if we remove the labels, they agree on 80% of everything. I would say just, 90%. Yeah, the way to get there is a little bit different, but they all agree with the same thing, you know. That's right. You know? Yeah, and that's that's been my experience too. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Wow. I could I could talk to you for hours. I, I'm really uh, I'm the very very um, kindergarten level on the brain science stuff. I, I read a lot of books about. It. I'm studying. It. I'm not degreed or anything, but I just love the um, you know, everything everything relates back to the primitive brain. We talk about making well, decisions, right? So, in my life and in my work, if if I don't have empirical data and empirical research studies to support what I teach, then I just yeah. don't teach it yeah. because I get a lot of pushback. Uh, and mm -hmm. I tell people, all right, well, where's, let me see your science. I'm willing to reconsider. Just show me your science. Right. right and they right. almost never have science. Yeah. It's because it's because what I teach is so culturally antagonistic to what they think they know that they have a knee-jerk reaction, reactive evaluation to what I teach. And mm -hmm. that's why I have the science to show that, yes, you know, you think there's such a thing as rationality. There's no such thing as rationality. Humans are not rational. We're 98% emotional, only 2% rational. Right. You can't even tell me what rationality is. Give me a definition. That's right. Good point. So, so, and the other thing that people don't understand is that, for example, in decision-making, you can't even make a decision or start a decision-making process unless you have an emotional reaction that tells yep. you there's a problem out there yep. that needs to be solved. And in our brains, at the most basic level, when the neuronal groups are teetering, going to one way or another, yeah. the choice is going to be what's going to give me the most pleasure or what's going to okay. avoid the most pain. Emotional. Yeah. Every decision is emotional. Yep. I, no I've such been, thing as rationality. In sales rationality. long enough, I, I try to teach my other salespeople that, like, you, yeah, you can back up a logic, but if you don't have an emotional connection or tie with the person, nah, that's right. it is data. It doesn't make a difference. Right. Yeah. That's right. right. So, so forget this idea of rationality. Right. Right. Very good stuff. Wow. Very good. Um, I know you've got some stuff for the uh, listeners today. You want to give them the URL and tell them what it is? Yeah. So I created a web page on my website. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you the bit.ly version because it's easier. Yeah. It's, it's dougnoll.co forward slash crow, C-R-O-W-E, dougnoll, D-O-U-G-N-O-L-L. And on that page, you're going to get to be able to download a free ebook that describes how to ethic label, how to de-escalate people. Absolutely free. Um, you can buy a copy of my book, De-escalate. You can also go to Amazon and buy it too. And you can also purchase a copy of my de-escalate video course, online course that teaches you how to de-escalate, which I advise that you take with another person, trusted yeah. friend. So it's a twofer, right? One person buys, both people get the benefit of it. Yeah. And finally, I have a deep discount for my uh, basic and advanced emotional competency course mm -hmm. that teaches you how to become emotionally competent in any situation and allows you to confront any angry person with total confidence, um, equilibrium, and compassion, and never, never, ever, ever get pushed around again by anybody. Verbally. Unless you're a politician. Love that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Doug, man. I appreciate it so much. I would love to have you back on again in a few months and uh, talk more about this stuff. It's a great, great topic. So thank Anytime. you much, folks. In the, in the show notes below, you'll see dougnoll.co forward slash crow. 
get his free stuff and get that book. Doug, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Appreciate it. And that wraps up another episode of the Author Brand Show. We're going to want to take notes. And if you didn't take notes, you can click below and get them. So make sure you do. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.